0: You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summer Properties Northwest and Reynolds and & Appraisal and your host for this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Broadcast. So we've got a lot to cover. I'm going to jump right in. So today is March 25th. It is a Wednesday. And as of tonight at midnight, state of Washington goes into essential businesses only. Everybody else, stay home, stay safe. So, my two businesses are Reynolds and Klein Appraisal and Summer Properties Northwest. Reynolds and Klein Appraisal was determined to be essential because it works with the financial. Aspect uh, works with federal lenders, essentially real estate brokers. I was pretty sure that they were going to be included as essential because they're the ones that put together real estate transactions. But they are considered non-essential. So unfortunately for the Summit side, everybody just needs to work from home and let this thing kind of take its course. Um, But in the meantime, because Reynolds and Client Appraisal is an essential business, we're going to keep doing the podcast. All right. So a lot has happened since yesterday's podcast. The number one thing is that um, Congress was basically able to put together a stimulus package. That's been in the works here for a while and it's been kind of drawn out because a lot of the funding, uh, the House didn't want to see it go to um, big businesses and they wanted more of a, a trickle down to or a direct funding, not trickle down, to individuals and businesses that are being impacted. So let's take a look at that super quick. Uh, The White House and Congress stuck a deal deal in the pre-dawn hours to deliver $2 trillion in government relief to a nation increasingly under lockdown. Watching nervously as the twin threats of disease and economic ruin grow more dire. So we've got this storyline of, yeah, we need to go back to work, but it's not safe. The coronavirus is still um, exponentially going up. Um, and in effect this is a wartime level of of investment in our nation this doesn't usually happen unless you've got something super major going on and that is the deal i think this is a two trillion dollar stimulus package and i think it's going to amount to way more being spent to that and i'll get into that in a little bit but just by comparison in the 2008 bailout uh, the first package that uh, Barack Obama got through, I think was seven hundred and eighty seven seven hundred and sixty seven billion, not even a trillion, and so we are coming out of the chute hard with our federal government uh doing this bailout package at somewhere around two trillion and then they've got a lot of other stuff going on. The Fed is buying back a trillion dollars of i I believe it's repo instruments at the moment, and that's per day. A lot of money is being spent to try and stop the economic slide into a recession and hopefully uh, prop up a lot of businesses and help businesses and individuals so that when we do return to normal, there will be businesses to go back to because that's an enormous consideration. I was watching a CNBC report this morning and somewhere between five and seven million American restaurant workers are out of jobs right now. You can run a business with takeout in a lot of communities, but the regular business structure, it's not there. And those businesses can't run on takeout alone. Um, so, you're going to see a lot of fallout there. Just people in their normal daily lives don't have those jobs. All right, let's keep going. The passage of the bill buoyed financial markets in Asia and Europe. Yesterday, the stock market was up, I think, 2,100 points. It was the biggest one day time uh, or one day increase. And it was second only to uh, another date in history as far as percentage-wise um, goes up. And we're hoping this two-trillion-dollar package provides as much as four trillion in economic activity. That is the hope of spending all this money: is that there is direct economic benefit to the country, to consumers, to businesses, to people that are running their lives and and their businesses, get some money to to the Americans. The, the word from uh, one of the senators was this is not a moment of celebration, but one of necessity. To all Americans, I say help is on the way. All right, let's talk about that for a second. If you have direct deposit, uh, you might be able to get your check or your funds in a couple of weeks, maybe. That would put us at early April, but more than likely, if you're going to wait for a actual check to come, it's not going to be until May, and all funds may not go out until May anyway. We don't really know how this thing will go because so much of this is just, we're just trying to figure out kind of where we're at and how to make this happen, and when you've got big government uh, involved, it's hard to mobilize what is happening. The aim is to deliver critical financial support to businesses forced to shut down their doors and relieve American families and hospitals reeling from the rapid spread of the disease and the resulting economic disruptions. And that again is the narrative is get get money to people are we going to get it in time i don't know is it going to be enough probably not but it is something it's something to kind of help things going because let's think about it now we're may or we're march 25th if you hopefully had your rent paid up your mortgage paid up at the beginning of march then you're okay you can sit out this month with no job but then you've got other expenses like food and utilities and cell phone and and necessary expenses like that. We go into uh, April and you have no income and you're waiting for that check. It's maybe a $1,200 check per adult and you'll get a little bit more money if uh, you have some kids. But it's also only up to like 100 grand. If you make more than that, you're probably not gonna get a check. So moving back to the timeline, if you are waiting for that check in uh, in April, The April rent is going to take up most of that. And if you're not getting it until May, you've already got April's rent due and expenses due. You're going to spend that check and then you are on the hook for May. So the the stimulus package is going to help people out a little bit, but I wouldn't look to it to solve all of your needs. We need to get back to work, but do that in a balanced manner that doesn't jeopardize lives. And that is a tough... um, tough thing to balance. And I'm going to talk more. My, my next um, item is, uh, yeah, the Dow, Dow soared more than 2,100 points Tuesday, over 11%, notching its biggest one day percentage gain since 1933, and its best point increase ever. All right, and so 1933—that was the Great Depression. So that's kind of what we're talking about—is we are talking Great Depression numbers here. All right, the other major item that happened, and, and the the stimulus package—I saw a tweet at like 1:38 this morning from one of the senators and he basically called it then hey we've got this thing put together so those guys are working around the clock to make this happen it's just such a big endeavor that it's going to take time and they're working through it the other major item that I saw yesterday besides President Trump Trump speech um, and there wasn't any major surprises there he had uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci back on glad to see that not sure where he was the day before but it's good to see him. Um, but the other thing besides President Trump's speech was the speech made by Governor Andrew Cuomo, and he is uh, the mayor of New York. He's the governor of New York, not the mayor, Um, and he's basically saying where we are today, you will be in three weeks from now, four weeks from now, five weeks from now, six weeks from now, and he's saying that from a uh, New York perspective and also across the country. one of the things that I saw in President Trump's speech was, um, and and with his other advisors, was that I think you're gonna see a across the country, you're gonna see a release kind of staggered based on the the actual numbers and impact that each city or each state is having. And it'll probably go under a state mandate. So because Washington, the state of Washington, uh, city of Kirkland had it first, I think uh, our area will be one of the first to be released. And our timeline that Governor Inslee has set is pretty close to the timeline that President Trump has set. Yesterday's speech he indicated by um, Easter, which is, I believe, on the calendar, it is April 12th. So I predicted April 6th or April 12th is when we go, or April 13th, which is a Monday, is when we go back to work. April 12th is a Sunday, that is Easter. To have people back to work by Easter, you would need to start the week before. I don't realistically seeing that happening, but I do see it happening on the 13th as a real possibility. But cities like New York that are having a major outbreak right now, their numbers are going through the roof. I think they've got some more time under quarantine. Uh, White House officials have advised people in New York who have passed through that area uh, to quarantine themselves for 14 days. What you're seeing right now is a mass exodus from New York, from the, the inner city portion, because it's such a di- dense, dense pop, densely populated area that uh, those people are taking off. And guess what? They're just going to spread it everywhere they go. So because that's what the virus does. That's what we saw happen in China is people left for the countryside in droves. And that impacted a ton of people. So if you are living in New York, the recommendation is that you self-quarantine for 14 days. And so President Trump uh, pressed to reopen the country for business by Easter on April 12th. Despite widespread warnings from public health experts that the worst effects of the outbreak were still weeks away and that lifting the restrictions now in place would result in unnecessary deaths. Yep, that is true. And that is kind of the major conundrum here. Um, But I don't think it's going to be an easy call. And I think there's going to be a lot of negotiating between the states and the federal government. And when it happens, it happened. But I've been predicting that it happens way sooner than later, just because of the economic impact is going to come close to what happened after the Great Depression. And that is not a good thing that killed a ton of people as well. Governor Como said that with cases doubling every three days in New York City alone, as many of 100 as many as 140,000 people might need urgent care in the next few weeks. All right, that's an estimate based on one of the more dire predictions of the curve. In New York City, the 1.8 million square foot Jacob uh, Convention Center, which was scheduled to hold an expo for exotic flowers this week, looked more like a front uh, line military depot as workers rushed in to transform the complex into a hospital. So they are preparing in New York to hunker down and have things ready to roll if this uh, uh, pandemic really breaks out. And New York City is the most densely populated major city in the United States, and that's why I think you're having the, the major outbreak that you're seeing right now. One of the things that the governor said is no basketball. A lot of great basketball players have come out of New York, come out of the, uh, the inner city um, developments there, and I've seen a lot of video, and they are still playing some hoops, which is not recommended because that does not allow you to stay six feet away from your... Um, fellow person you got to be right on top of them with defense and that's not happening playing basketball uh, another one of the major issues that came out of Governor Como's speech yesterday was, and the state was still in dire need of critical equipment, particularly the ventilators needed to keep critically ill patients alive long enough for them to fight off the virus. That is a super big reality and a big focus of a lot of what people are looking at is, hey, we don't have the ventilators yet. Where are the ventilators? And I think that's what Governor Como is saying is, hey, federal government, get us some ventilators. Uh, the Trump administration promised to send 4,000 ventilators from the national stockpile, but Governor Cuomo said the state needed tens of thousands more. All right, so we're going to let them work that out, and you'll see that news story quite a bit. More than 200 people have already died from corona, the coronavirus in the uh, state of New York, and there was broad agreement that the worst of the crisis would play out over the next few weeks. All right, so moving on here let's talk about the what the Fed is doing. The Fed has extended support directly to the corporate bond market and the municipal bond market and it also uh, agreed to lend directly to small businesses. Let me be super clear on this one I've heard I've had friends say oh hey I've heard the checks are going out or I hear people are getting them. No federal stimulus checks have gone out. There is no money available except through small business administration loans and those are difficult to to get. The SBA is hard to work with and this is from my experience. They've got a lot of cumbersome paperwork you have to fill out and if you are scrambling to, to try and save your business, that process needs to be streamlined and for us as small business owners and all the small business owners out there to get some funds to get you through until when you can reopen. And then another major consideration that you will start to hear about is money needed to reopen these businesses. A lot of the restaurants, they had food stocks that have gone bad. They have to basically retool from scratch. The physical structure is still there, yet all the food and all the resources they need, including getting employees back, um, who they've had to let go it's going to take a lot of capital to get America back up and running again And a lot of these businesses don't have the cash on hand To do it on their own. They're going to need government assistance Somehow they're going to have to bootstrap to get things back together. And that's why I think there's so much pressure uh, on mr. Trump to President Trump to get things going again and from the business uh, community in general because uh America can't go dormant for this long. All right. Uh, And some of the other, uh, the government is expanding its purchases of treasury and agency backed uh, securities in unlimited fashion. They basically have an open checkbook to spend as much money as they need. That's from my understanding. They are spending a trillion dollars a day in repo instruments, a trillion a day. That's an incredible number. Um, And we're going to have to see what kind of impact that has, because we've never had an economic shutdown that just boom, done. You guys are stopping work. um, Nothing going on. All right. And that and initially that's compared to 500 billion and 200 billion originally announced when the Fed slashed its key federal funds target to near zero on Sunday, March the 19th. That was was that two Sundays ago? I think it was. I can't remember. No, that was that was an emergency meeting they had. And that was fairly recent. All right, the Fed is effectively declaring it will do whatever it takes to cushion the blows likely to result from the virtual shutdown of many sectors of the US economy due to the spread of the Coronavirus. They are committed to making this um, as as less impactful, how about, how about I think in President Trump's word, it was less, uh, more less bad. I believe that was a quote from two days ago. All right. And so what we're looking at is, and what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to stave off this massive economic collapse that is happening. It's going on right now. It's predicted, one estimate I saw, that the gross uh, domestic product could collapse as much as 30.1% in quarter one. That is the quarter that we're in now, January, February, March. So they're trying to stop that bleeding from happening in quarter two, but that's going to happen in quarter two as well. And if you have two economic quarters in a row that show a decline, you have got a textbook recession. That's going to happen. It's a matter of how much can the Fed prop things up and how quickly can we go back to business. To put the 30% decline in... um, that's a big, i um, sorry, if to put the 30% decline in gross domestic domestic product in perspective, in the quarter four of 2008, during the worst of the Great Recession, or the, the, the financial crisis that we had here 12 years ago, that had an 8.4% downturn. We're looking at 30% in this one, 8.4% in the worst quarter in 2008. So more than triple. So this is a big, big shutdown, and it's gonna need a lot of money pumped into the system to make this go. And by contrast, in 1946, with the end of World War II ex- expenditures, we had a contraction of 11.1%. At the end of the war, we had all the, the United States um, making an effort for the wartime, you know, uh, creating all this stuff for the troops, supporting the troops. Basically America was on fire economically because we had so much going to the wartime effort. Um, that when that, when the end of the war happened, there's this massive slowdown. That slowdown was only 11.1. So still about triple what happened at the end of world war two layoffs now are mounting from businesses that can't operate with employees working from home in, uh, And restaurants are a good example of that. You can't work from home and provide food to people. So there's a ton of businesses that can't work from home. And here's another thing to consider. If you're a mortgage broker and your lender isn't allowing exterior only appraisals, the appraisal industry is typically... um, appraisers are, I I think in the state of Washington, the average age is like 60 years old. And appraisers, if if you've never met an appraiser, most appraisers are not in the greatest of health. They are older, older guys, for the most part, not in the greatest of health, a lot of drinking, a lot of overeating. And those guys are not going to be real excited to go into a home that anybody's been in. It's it's they're almost in the age demographic that's being Um, you know, taken down pretty hard. So you've got appraisers who are gonna go out even less than normal because of this. And so if you wanna have your deal go through, push your lender, push your mortgage broker, push whomever's on the front line to get an exception for an exterior only appraisal. And um, that's what I'm recommending. And my appraisers are doing as much as they can to stay away from people. Because if I have an appraiser go down in a time like this, It's brutal because so many transactions were started before this happened and people want to take advantage of the low interest rates. And so if I get an appraiser sick, oh, not good and think of how many people that appraiser has probably infected by meeting them. So the less impact we can have the less appraisers going through people's homes I think the better and when an appraiser does go through the home if they ask you to open up every door and turn on every light switch just go ahead and do it don't question it and if you're a homeowner and you've got people sick that's tough because Fannie Mae wants a picture of every room. Do you get those people out of there? Oh, that's tough if you got people that are sick, but let us know if you've got people that are sick or have been quarantined or whatever because we don't want to send appraisers through and make this thing worse, e- even worse. We've got a $500 billion slush fund to help industry uh, that can be leveraged 10 times by the Federal Reserve through various lending facilities is announced. So $500 billion times 10 comes out to uh, a total estimate of what they're talking about, once it's leveraged to around $7 trillion. So a lot of this is money that can be lent out and leveraged. It's almost 10 times the stimulus provided in 2009 to fight the Great Recession after the financial crisis. And one of the reasons I think this stimulus package is so big that when Barack Obama in 2008 2009 requested a second package, he was basically denied. So go big or go home with your first stimulus package. And let's see what that looks like. So I think that is what's happened. We have learned from history of the last 12 years of Yep, you just got to go out and do it. So never before have monetary and fiscal policymakers had to deal with a public health problem, which necessitated bring the economy to a virtual halt. And so the Fed is acting like never before to provide credit in every corner to mitigate the economic fallout from the coronavirus. They are doing what they can. Will it be enough? Probably not. But this is what's happening. Another, I've been following the narrative of President Trump pretty closely to kind of get some clues of what he thinks is happening. And that's how I was able able to predict kind of the April 6th, the April 13th, go back to work date. Just following what he's saying, because we got a lot of people saying, no, this is going to be months. It's not going to be months. And I don't even think it's going to be weeks at this point in time. I think it's, yeah, we're, we're inside of a month. We're down to days, maybe a couple of weeks. Um, we're down to days, a couple of weeks. I don't think you're going to go much longer than that and some of that has to do this was an interesting article a restless trump wants to end the country's isolation and his own so things at the white house that normally take place are also shut down they're operating on a skeleton crew because they don't have all the dignitaries coming in there's no meetings those the people at the white house are already kind of shutting themselves down as well we don't really want to have the president get infected. That would be a real disaster and a serious PR disaster as well. Um, that, so Trump has wondered aloud to AIDS when life will return to normal. The slowdown in his own life has led in part to Trump's strong desire to see the guidelines he offered on avoiding crowds and staying at home, lifted quickly. That's what we've got going on. He has been known to crash meetings of his Coronavirus Task Force Force insert himself into planned press conferences and tear apart daily schedules to so his appearances better align with television viewership patterns. So I think he's doing what he can to appear relevant and to be part of the process, but he's bored just like the rest of us. He's like, I gotta do something. So he's wandering around the White House, maybe putting himself in positions he shouldn't be in. His staff were like, oh no, when is he gonna walk through the door and blow up our meeting? and I'm just totally guessing on that cause I'm here in Seattle, Washington and you know, they're in Washington, DC. Uh, the one set routine that he does have is the coronavirus meeting, the coronavirus briefing. So he is doing that on the daily and also tweeting out. So you can get a lot of clues as to what's gonna happen on the federal basis from his Twitter account as well. I don't typically follow it, but I have been checking in because a lot of what he says throughout the day, he restates within his, uh, the coronavirus meetings. The functions of the White House outside of the governing capacity have completely shut down. There's nothing going on. So, um, um, and Trump, and, and a lot of what Trump is hearing, he's hearing from conservatives who question whether the benefits to public health are worth the damage to the economy. And I've kind of been harping on this that. That is the narrative that we're going to have is that the impact of the coronavirus and shutting the country down is going to be way greater than the actual coronavirus itself. Is that true? I don't know. But that is one of those things to look at and go, okay, that's something we have to consider. Moving on to a couple more stories that aren't quite as relevant, but I found super interesting. India is in day one of lockdown. This is for a fifth of humanity in the world. So we have, um, I think it is 1.3 billion people are ordered on lockdown in India. So India has reported relatively few coronavirus cases, fewer than 600 so far, both the population density so high and the public health system so weak, Prince Minister Narendra Modi has imposed stringent measures to try and keep the country from sliding into the disaster that the United States, Italy and other countries face. I was super, I've been following India and I've just thought that is a hotbed waiting to happen. But in talking with one of my good friends, Gavin Turner, who's in Sydney, who spent a lot of time in India, uh, he said, hey, coronavirus to the country of India, this is just one more thing from them that they're probably not going to be able to handle. So they're not going to do a ton of testing, we're not going to know the real numbers. And if, if you ever look hardcore at the way Indian life is, there's a lot of poverty, and they don't have a ton to run with right now. They do not have the ability to deal with the virus. And so it just kind of is what it is. So watch those numbers. But uh, And they're on a lockdown right now. And that is a poor, poor country. They seriously don't have the ability to handle a lockdown. But we'll just have to kind of see, see where it goes. And uh, the price for that lockdown is going to be that's probably going to kill a ton of people. And that is, that's, that's just brutal. And that's part of this process. The last one I have is grocery stores or the coronavirus tipping point. We've got a number of employees across the US from grocery stores that have contracted the coronavirus. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist here, but we still do need to go to the grocery store to get food. So be super careful. And that is why I am kind of doing this storyline. A Trader Joe's employee in Seattle tested positive. So did a King Supers employee in Denver, not familiar with that chain, um, as well as two Fred Meyer employees, one in Monroe, Washington, and one in Portland, Oregon. Um, So people, yes, you can get you can get the coronavirus at the grocery store. Uh, Coronavirus can exist on cardboard food packaging for a day and on plastic for several days. So keep that in mind, when you're going to the grocery store and you're grabbing stuff, think about what you're touching. Uh, So it can exist on cardboard food packaging for a day and on plastic for several days, but it becomes less infectious over these periods. So some of the things you can do to mitigate your exposure are to go to the grocery store at odd hours where you know there aren't going to be a ton of people. What is that now? I don't even know when that is because there's no work anymore. People aren't going after work. So I guess you could Google that and figure that out. I know a lot of stores here in Seattle are having early, kind of before open to the public hours for senior citizens to get their groceries. I think that's a great idea. Give those people a chance to get in, be exposed to less to fewer people because they are at risk. Our older generation is at risk on this one. And it's important to keep them safe and keep them virus free. Also use the self checkout if you can. I go to Trader Joe's, they don't have self checkout, but that makes me kind of think, should I maybe go to another different grocery store? Um, I don't really know. And there's a high risk of infection for the cashiers themselves who just stand a few feet from a hundred, uh, several hundred customers a day. I thought about that the last time I went to the store. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to say, hey, thank you for taking your life in your own hands and coming to work today, because you are exposed to so many people. And if a customer coughs or sneezes uh, near an employee while in line, the likelihood of transmitting the virus through the respiratory droplets is also high. So if you have any kind of inkling that you've got something, stay at home, have somebody else go, get somebody, give a, give your grocery list to somebody else. That's kind of what we've been doing is if there are people who shouldn't probably be going to the grocery store, let us know, give us a grocery list, it'll give us something to do, try and go during off hours. The country simply can't shut down grocery stores. So those are going to have to stay open. So that is it for me on Wednesday, March the 25th. All you Seattleites that go into total lockdown tonight, stay home safe, stay safe. The Essential Businesses goes into effect tonight at midnight. Stay safe, everybody. I will keep doing the Seattle Real Estate Podcast as we're part of the appraisal industry, and we're just going to keep on going. Plus, I've only got one other guy here. We socially distance ourselves and make this happen. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks again. Bye.